This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, podcast where we get everything going on in North Shore High School sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojak, here with The Record North Shore founding member Joe Coughlin. We got a lot of sports to talk about. The weather is not great outside, but um, that's a good, another good reason to uh, listen to the Varsity Podcast and listen to um, other episodes of the Varsity Podcast. Good way to spend a snow day, um, as well as reading some great content as well. But before we get started on this week's episode of the podcast, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe anywhere where podcasts are available. Just look us up. Give us a nice little review as well. We always appreciate the support and make sure you spread the word while you're at those games as we are entering postseason action for some sports and heading down the final stretch um, for both basketballs and boys swimming and diving as well. But why don't we get things started here with uh, kind of picking up where we dropped, uh, where we left off last week's episode, talking about um, a big boys basketball game between Nutrier and GBS. Um, that happened on Thursday night in Glenview, where uh, Nutria was able to hold out and be- beat um, GBS 51 to 45 on the road. Um, we talked about this a little bit, and I feel like I was kind of echoing this a lot, but the game seemed like it was a big prove it game just because of, uh, um, yes, Nutria has beat a lot of good teams, Joe, and they've beat a, um, they've shown that they can compete with probably anyone in the state, but I felt like they needed to, uh, um, they needed to have, this win just to show that, Hey, like we can beat a top three, considered a top two team um, in the state. And uh, Nutri was able to prove that with uh, a strong and a convincing win over GBS on Thursday night. Yeah. I feel like, you know, fair or not before that game, there was a big, yeah, but on their resume, like, okay, they're, they're racking up wins, but uh, they lost by 20 um, at home. So and we know they were shorthanded. We've talked about it, yada, yada. But you were right in that they had, a, they had some proven games here on the schedule, and they've, uh, they've proved it. And that game, uh, I think our predictions were pretty close. We set a tight game, and it was, it was intense. But I think we were a little high on the score. I can't remember what you said, uh, but I think we both were a little high. So yeah, like a 60 or something like that. Yeah, I think we just underestimated the Nutrier defense. Both, both really. But Nutria just put the clamps on, um, quoting my own headline there, um, GBS, and specifically their two stars in uh, Cooper Norad and, and uh, Nick Martinelli. Now, Martinelli was able to finish with 14 and 8, but, you know, they were a tough 14 and 8. He really had to work for it. Um, Nutria's switchy defense really, uh, you know, guys like Noah Shannon, uh, Jackson Monroe, and uh, even guys like Fegan and Carlo Kolak, you know, they all did work. Those are big, rangy, uh, beefy defenders. Uh, and they did work on Martinelli and made him work for all his points. And he's so crafty. He got his, but NORAD, that's where Peter Canellis being back. He was absent that first game and his defense. He's obviously he's Nick. Peter Canellis might be, you know, give up six inches to NORAD, but Canellis is the quickest guy on the court. So he can stay in front of him. He can deny him the ball. They got to switch off him to try to get NORAD shots but um, the rest of the Nutria defenders were up to the task, uh, popping out and making sure he did, you know, denying ball, uh, whether that was Kirkpatrick or Fegan or whoever on the perimeter. 
So he didn't get many good looks and, and, you know, he got, he tried to get some shots up, but not many, and they were very contested. So NORAD, who I, I actually don't know how many, how many points he averages, uh, pro, I mean, probably between 15 and 18 would be my guess, but he didn't get a field goal until the final minute of the game at a minute 10, he hit this oh, beautiful, uh, Dame Limmer, Lillard type uh, logo three um, to kind of hopefully will his team back in the game. Um, so it's it's not an indictment on NORAD. NORAD can play. It's really just a credit to neutral defense on really forcing the ball out of his hands and not allowing it back in his hands. And uh, you got to give a lot of credit to the defense. And then on the offensive side, Jackson Monroe uh, has really stepped up when he's needed to step up. And that's the last you know, week or two weeks where Nutria's gauntlet of a schedule has gotten really serious and he's been the go-to guy. He did it again. 10 of his 20 points were in the fourth quarter. Um, and he just really, you know, when they needed a big bucket, he had a huge and one down the stretch that created a big separation for them. Um, and, uh, you know, tough game on the road. They proved it, like you said, and, um, these teams are going to, you know, if chalk plays out in the sectional, they're going to see each other again. It's a, it's a beautiful rivalry and fun to watch. I think um, you kind of mentioned what we were talking about on last week's episode of the podcast, where defensively, I think obviously Nutrier can shoot it. Obviously Nutrier has um, their top, uh, you know, big man down in the post who's um, able to stop a lot of players and make some big shots as well. But that defense just seems to be what the difference is for um, Nutrier this season, where they're able to pressure um, a lot of great players to force mistakes, like you mentioned with Noard. Um, that defense was exactly what we were talking about last week when um, we were predicting what was going to happen in this game. And um, as long as that defense continues to compete at the level it has all season, um, I don't really see a team that seems too daunting for uh, Nutrier. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Glenbard West. But um, I mean, I've seen, have you seen the other two, the other teams in the top five? I mean, they beat GBS once. They, blew a 15 point lead to Simeon. Um, and I think they can compete against some other top teams as well. So as long as that defense is going, it just seems that this new cheer team um, really isn't going to be under um, understaffed against anybody. No, I agree. They, they play defense like that. They will compete with anybody. Now, Glenbard West plays, you know, they're a more talented team in my opinion. Um, they're, they're bigger, especially um, at the guard position. Um, and they're uh, they've got, division one talent at all three levels of the court um and their their zone defense is, is something special to watch so that would be a fun matchup i'd love to see it but um i think gbs and nutria are very close and gbs's defense can't be understated nutria had to hit some big time shots vegan and kirkpatrick hit big threes with hands in their face from gbs so um you got to give them credit too but if nutria plays defense like that i think you're right um, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat them or upset them at this point. Cause I think they've proven now that they're a top five team in the state. Um, I, you know, I think until some of those city teams come around, which I think they will, I think, uh, Kenwood gets whole, even though they lost to Yorkville Christian, Yorkville Christian upset Kenwood, very surprising. Um, but those teams get rolling. They're going to be tough to stop. Um, like the Simeon Curie, Simeon Curie Kenwoods might be tough to stop. Uh, look out for Hillcrest too. Um, they're a tough team out of the South Burbs. They've only got two losses and Oswego East only has one. Watch out for them out of the Southwest suburbs out there. But uh, Nutria is going to go, going to take this for a while if they play like that. 
I don't see anybody stopping them to the to the sectional and a rematch with possibly GBS. I mean, not only was the was the win over GBS impressive, we talked about this last week too, where um, you had the war on the shore going on in Loyola on Saturday, and Nutrier um, took on Rolling Meadows there. And for much of the game there, they kind of seemed like, ah, oh, this is going to be like the letdown game. Like you beat a, you have a high emotional game that you beat GBS over in on Thursday, and then you kind of have the letdown game against a top ten team like Rolling Meadows. But um, Nutrier was able to come back and uh, win that game, sixty to fifty six, which um, Obviously, we that GBS win was impressive, but I honestly think that Rolling Meadows win was more impressive. Just being able to come back from the emotions of two days before and beat a, a beat a top ten team like Rolling Meadows, which has a lot of talent as well. Yeah, that war on the shore was a good one this year um, with all those teams, and the Rolling Meadows Nutrier matchup was special, like you said. Um, two very good teams, and Nutrier just coming off. I mean, they haven't had much time to kind of. Take a break, take a breather. Um, also, you know, one of their players told me after the game, they had another kind of COVID scare that they were able to get out of uh, with testing and testing negative uh, to make it. So not a lot of practice time, not a lot of togetherness. And when they play, uh, they're, they're down to the wire for a lot of these games because they're playing tough competition. So I'm guessing they were, and I'm not saying Rolling Meadows wasn't, tired. And Rolling Meadows came out and good on them for putting pressure I was able to watch a lot of that game. Um, pressure defense on Nutrier, really forcing them to uh, earn their points, earn their baskets, and they did. And Jackson Monroe again stepped up. He hit two huge threes when Nutrier was really struggling in that first half and went down seven, um, looked like they were in real trouble. Jackson Monroe hits like a 26, 27-footer. You're like, if this six eight guy is going to step out and hit that shot, what are we going to do? Like, what can you do? So um, – that was a big um, win for them, um, kind of showing what they can do against a different style of play. And, and Coach Scott Fricky told me um, a couple weeks ago in Bolingbroke, they want to play all these top teams and different types of play from the Bolingbrooks, which plays different than Yorkville Christian, which plays different than GBS, which plays a little different than Rolling Meadows. You're seeing all these different and top level competition and you're succeeding in the end. That's going to, you know, that's proving your metal. So you're right. That was a big um, kind of I, not a rebound game. I don't know what to say, you know, avoiding a trap, I guess you would say against a very good point. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a good way of avoiding a, a trap. It obviously is nothing to look down upon with rolling meadows, but um, you could have easily just been like, ah, I don't know if we can do it. And obviously we just be GBS, but um, some places have a um, new cheer in the top five. Now, um, where do you have new cheer now after this latest win over uh, GBS? You know, if I were to do it, you know, I do think it's really tough at this point because we have, we have a lot of um, head to heads and we also have a lot of like opponents at this point, you know, 25, 28 games into the season. Um, but I think I'd go, you know, Glenbard West, then a bit of a gap. Then I think I'd go new Trier, GBS Simeon. And those are like, to me, 2A, 2B, 2C. And it's so close. I think they'd they'd battle for a while, you know, if you put them against each other. But uh, that's the way I'd go. I'd put Nutria too. I really would. But um, the unknowns for me, and, and I got to say that I haven't seen a Hillcrest. I haven't seen an Oswego East. How good are those teams? You know, Hillcrest lost to Glenbard West by, I think, three points early in the season. Um, so they're right up there. Um, I think 
I would have had Kenwood too if they didn't, but they lost to Yorkville Christian the next day. So uh, that knocked them down and Curie's right there too. So it's, uh, I would really have Nutrier too, just because I think they earned it with this stretch of games. What is, I mean, obviously we're heading into the final stretch here of the season. What is Nutrier's weakness, if there is a weakness, other than not being Lenbard West and not having, you know, three Division One players and someone else who's also going to walk on? I mean, just what is Nutrier's deficiency, I guess, when it comes to your hesitation um, about maybe predicting a deep run um, for this Nutrier team in the postseason? <clears throat> That's a great question. I think that um, if you – stop Jackson Monroe in the post. You need a big post to do that um, because I don't think you can double team because you're going to leave open. They're going to have, they can, they can have at any point four shooters on the floor. So if you can stop Jackson Monroe one-on-one -on -one in the post, I think Nutria could have struggle scoring. Um, that's a big if though, because Monroe's so crafty when it is one-on-one, -on -one. he's got a lot of great footwork, a lot of great up and unders. Um, he made, uh, you know, he, he, he looked great against Nick Martinelli this past uh, Thursday. Um, and he, he scored 20, 25 against Rolling Meadows, who has a big, who I believe is about six, seven or six, eight and, and bigger than Monroe. So um, if you can do that without collapsing your entire defense, because Nutria, you do that, you're, you're giving up 20 to Fegan or you're giving up 18 to right. Kirkpatrick or, or Shannon who can shoot it um, or, you know, 15 to all three of them. And then you're going to lose. If you can do it with one player, um, I think Nutria will struggle to, to with the ball movement and get off shots. I think that's the best way to do it. They've showed they can beat pressure against Bowling Brook and against Rolling Meadows. Um, one thing, one more nuanced thing that you can do to beat Nutria is what GBS did the first time. Now it's a different Nutria team, but you, you run a very efficient, methodical offense and score the basketball. You score the basketball efficiently on the offensive end. You keep Nutrier out of their transition run, which they get a lot of threes off of. So if you can do that and make Nutrier run their half-court set every time down the floor very methodical, then I think you're going to put Nutrier in a position where they might panic a little bit and try to run on every miss you have, and that could force some errors. Now, that's a more nuanced approach to it, but I think it's possible. You just got to be very methodical in your offense. All right. Well, let's move on over now to the second quarter, and we're going to be joined by someone you've been talking a lot about a lot in this uh, episode so far, and that's Jackson Monroe. Um, obviously a big, uh, um, a big guy in general and also a big presence <laughs> for Nutrier um, and what they're able to do. I know you got a chance to catch up with Jackson. Um, Joe, so what are the folks at home going to hear? Yeah, I just talked to Jackson about um, how, you know, he took over in the fourth quarter of that GBS game, had a couple big buckets, you know, he, he sunk some major free throws. So what it was like in that fourth quarter for him, uh, you know, what Nutrier did defensively. And uh, Monroe scored, uh, he's averaging 27 points over the past five, not including last night's win over Niles West. I haven't gotten that, what he scored there. Uh, but over uh, Nutria's last five wins, he scored 27. So he's a good guy to hear from. He's on. He's on a bit of a run here. All right, let's take a listen. 
big game, big win. Just before we get into the nitty-gritty, how, how does it feel right now in the Titan Dome? I mean, it feels great. Uh, this is my first win in this building uh, my entire career. I didn't even win sophomore or freshman year. Um, so it's just an amazing feeling, especially because they're the second-ranked team in the state coming in. Um, just beating them on their own floor. How much of last game played into this one in, in your mind and chip on your shoulder type of stuff? Yeah, it definitely played a factor. I knew I didn't play as good as I, as I needed to last game. Um, I knew I had to be really aggressive. And I think I did that. Fourth quarter especially. Uh, was there something you felt where, where you needed to take over? Was it something, the strategy for the team? What was it in that fourth quarter? I just knew it was winning time. And when it's winning time, I feel like I have to step up. A week from Monday or Tuesday, it's right after. And defensively, you got Martinelli, you got Norad. They didn't get too many shots. Yeah. What was your guys' what were you doing on defense? Yeah, I mean, my teammates did an incredible job guarding them. They're both incredibly great players. Um, they can score all over the court. They're so skilled. Um, and they just did an amazing job guarding them. It was really a team effort. Um, Noah and, and did an amazing job on Nick. Peter did an amazing job on Cooper. But it was everyone, really. We all stepped up. I'm guessing you guys know another matchup may be coming. So, uh, yeah, it's got to be exciting too. Just this rivalry just builds. Is that how you feel? Is it, is it about rivalry? It's a huge rivalry. I mean, since freshman year, we've been playing against each other. It's been um, us for CBS basically since then, and every year it feels like we always split. Um, and it's just, I think it's fitting for all that to, to culminate in a sexual championship. So I think it's pretty special. Thanks so much for joining us, Jackson. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches uh, joining us each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's insight. All right, we're going to jump on over now to the third quarter, where we play our weekly game of way or no way. I throw out five hypotheticals out there. Joe and I argue over whether that hypothetical can happen or whether it cannot happen. And we're going to stick with basketball on the first one here. Way or no way, Joe, that Nutria Boys basketball will be seated higher than GBS in their shared sectional. Ooh, so that comes out, I just checked uh, right before the pod. That'll come out February 10th. So we'll, we'll get the Evanston scores and uh, GBS has Rolling Meadows. If they both went out, I think you have to give it you have to give it to Nutria. They both have two losses. Um, head to heads, they're one and one. And Nutria has the most recent victory. I would say you sneak Nutria in there. But it's really, I really think, and I think I've said this for a while, it's, I think they're really well matched. And I'm not saying like they play the same style. I'm saying that I think they're, they're both top five teams and how you parse it out from there is going to be decided on the court and only on the court. So you can rank them and seed them all you want, and that's fun for us to discuss. But I think they're really that close talent-wise, um, and uh, it's just going to be decided on the court. But I think Nutria does have the edge um, going into sexual because of a recent win. So I'll say way. Yeah, I think I'll agree with you, way. And I think when you're looking at this head-to-head, um, obviously GBS lost to uh, Glenn Bard West by on a last-second shot, and um, that was a very impressive feat. Um, but when you when GBS beat Nutria, they beat them without you know Nutria playing without a bit lot of great players. So um, I, I think you would have to go. I, it's very close, but I do think that GB uh, that Nutria um, should and will be seated higher than um, 
TBS just because of what they were able to do recently. And obviously if both teams go wash the rest of the year, um, I think that Nutria has just kind of shown that when they're at full strength, they can pretty much beat anybody, obviously, other than that uh, um, Simeon loss there that I think was a growing lesson for this team. But um, so, yeah, way, way I think that this Nutria boys basketball team can be will be seated higher uh, than GBS uh, when it comes to those uh, announcements coming out in February 10th, like you said. All right, Joe, girls gymnastics postseason is starting with regional action actually happening um, this week. Uh, Nutrier dropped its uh, conference matchup against uh, uh, GBS, GBS winning the region or the conference outright title as well um, with Nutrier dealing with an injury of their own or Nutrier, yes, dealing with an injury of their own. Where no way, Joe, that this Nutrier gymnastics team can rebound from that injury in the postseason. No way. Um, and that's no discredit to uh, the rest of the Nutria gymnasts. That's just the nature of gymnastics. You have um, your leaders, you know, in any individual sport, you need your top leaders to get your high score um, because the individual scores add up to, you know, compile the team score. And, you know, clearly when your top gymnast goes out, even if it's a small downgrade, it's a small, it's a downgrade in points. And that's going to matter on the scoreboard, whether it's at regional section or, or, you know, you know, if they make it to state, I, I think um, that it's really going to impact uh, their scoring tonight. Uh, we're recording us on Wednesday and they have a regional tonight. Um, you know, if they're able to do it with all this snow. Um, but I do think they'll make it through because of some other talent they have um, specifically their, their other senior leader, Maria Marabito. Hope I, a lot of M's hope I nailed that. Um, <laughs> and so I think that they have enough to get sectional. Maybe she returns there, but I think it's an outside shot and I don't think they can get to state without her. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of hope for the future of Nutria with their, with their younger talent coming up, but, um, she was a big piece to the puzzle to get to state for them. Sydney yeah. Holder that is. Right. And yeah, no way I agree with you. I don't think as a team that they can rebound, I think individual talent will um, advance in that sort of stuff. I don't think that Nutrier um, with that injury will be able to rebound. I mean, like you mentioned before, gymnastics is just such a, it's a team game when it comes, which is so funny because it's a team, but it's individual and that kind of stuff. But um, I, I do think that with that loss, that could really hurt them um, advancing as a team moving forward. Um, all right, we are heading down to the final. We are in the last couple of weeks here of girls basketball um, before the postseason starts in a few weeks. Um, Loyola competing in the GCAC conference tournament right now. Way or no way, Joe, that Loyola will win that conference tournament? I think yes. I say way. I think they're uh, hungry for it. I don't think that they liked uh, that they lost to Montini uh, in the regular season and gave up the, the conference crown. I think, uh, especially after winning it in the spring season or in the last season um, after so long. So um, their scores recently, and, and I haven't caught up with them since their Christmas tournament, but <clears throat> their scores recently show me that, you know, they're, they're feeling it a little bit. And obviously, you know, duh, Joe, they're 25 and two. Of course, they're a good team, but I think they want this GCAC tournament <clears throat> and, and head into the postseason with a lot of momentum and to get a bit of revenge on Montini. So I say way they keep this streak alive and, and, and take down the tournament. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you there. I think they're looking for revenge here. I think that Montini loss was something that uh, um, 
they didn't really like it was a learning lesson but uh yeah i do think that a way they'll come back and win this conference tournament um during uh, the last couple of weeks here um way or no way joe we got wrestling regionals taking place this weekend way or no way that loyola will advance more wrestlers to the sectional than nutrier Man, I, I think the question before we had a few weeks ago was to state. I think this is a similar answer where it's going to be so close. Um, you know, a good crop of wrestlers advanced to sectional. I think, I don't know if it's through three or through four places. I'm sorry, I can't remember. But both are going to place pretty highly here in the regional um, and move on. So I'm going to say no way, but I think it's going to be like, eight to seven or seven to six. Um, it's going to be really close, but I think Nutria gets one more guy there. I think I'll disagree with you. I'll agree with you where I think uh, it's obviously not going to be like a big difference between the two teams, but I do think Loyola will probably advance one or two more wrestlers um, moving forward um, in the GBS regional where they got to compete against uh, obviously GBS, GBN, Niles North, um, prospect Highland Park and Evanston as well. So um, I think the Ramblers will have a few more, not by much, but uh, a couple will matter in this difference. So way, I do think that uh, they'll have more wrestlers in the sectional than Nutrier, but by not, not by a lot. All right, today we're recording this on, on uh, what is today? February 2nd, Groundhog Day. Happy Groundhog Day, six more weeks of winter. Um, <laughs> we've got uh, the first day of signing day um, happening, the, the real signing day that not the early signing day, whatever, they keep on uh, separating things up. But um, way or no way, Joe, that COVID, uh, just the past year and two, um, really hurt some, hurt some football players from being properly evaluated and maybe getting higher offers that they should have gotten. I mean, I'll say way to the properly evaluated. And, and I don't think it just affected football players not getting – it affected all sports. But talking about football – it may have affected people getting recruited just differently than they would, you know, in both directions, you know, in a positive way, in a negative way, um, how they would normally. Um, and that's, you know, one of the consequences. And I'm sure recruiters and, and football, college football programs are, are doing their best. But how could you not, you know? They only had six games in the spring. Um, so for guys that are now seniors, their junior tape was – delayed or not there or only six games and maybe they didn't get enough playing time because there's so many ramifications from what happened uh what continues to be happening through the pandemic and college visits are different and um just a whole lot of things man um injuries are different um and obviously the, the most obvious one you know playing or not playing because of covid you know covid missing practices, missing games, missing a lot of things because you can't, uh, because you might have the virus or you're in quarantine. There's, yes, uh, it's disrupted a lot of things in, in what we call our normal way of living that was 2019. Um, I think it disrupted things in a number of ways. And I don't, I think it's impossible to nail down the who and the, and the what would have been identified differently because it's still ongoing. Yeah, I think I'll definitely agree with you there, Way, I think, uh, um, I mean, you just even saw this past football season where 
um, like Amaris, G- Jimmy Rolder, he didn't get an offer sh- offer until October, and then he got ten offers and is going to Michigan and all the big schools. Really, you just had a lot of those moments where kids who had the talent and that kind of stuff just weren't properly evaluated because they didn't have you know these camps that they would go to and all that kind of stuff and kind of get on. A, a lot of this recruiting starts like sophomore year when you start seeing the talents and that kind of stuff and competing in different camps and seven on sevens and skill competitions and all that kind of stuff. So um, for this class and even last year's class, I mean, yeah, I think it definitely impacted them. I think everyone tried to do their best and try to send out as much tape and try to stay in shape as much as possible. But um, yeah, definitely. I think way um, without a doubt that uh, COVID really hurt some football players. I'm sure maybe getting some better offers or even getting offers in general. Um, and uh, um, it's, uh, it's just one of the, one of the many, many side effects of, um, what's happened over the past uh, couple of years. So, all right, that's everything that we got for way or no way this week. Let's move on over to the fourth quarter where we will preview um, some postseason action going on um, and finish it off by talking a little bit about signing day about the players that we know who um, have signed. Obviously, this is a period of signing, so um, you don't have to sign today, and that today is the only day. But why don't we start things off with wrestling? We talked about it in way or no way, Joe. Bo, Joe about who will uh, have more um, wrestlers competing. But both Loyola and Nutria are going to be competing in the GBS individual regional. Um, GBS is there, Evanston is there, Highland Park is there, Prospect is there, uh, GBN, Niles North, and then Loyola and Nutria. So um, what are we expecting in this one where um, as a team for either team, do you think either team has a chance of winning that GBS regional or do you feel like um, GBS is probably the favorite uh, to win as a team. Yeah, you know, you know, <clears throat> wrestling, team wrestling is such a, you know, curious sport uh, in the IHSA. So, you know, just because GBS beat, you know, is won the conference in in dual, you know, with their dual meet uh, results, doesn't mean they would fare better in a in a regional just because, you know, Nutria could place, you know, GBS could place six first place, Nutria could place four, but eight second places and win um, just, you know, with, with the depth results. So um, I, I think they could, I think Nutria could do it. Um, I think they showed kind of what they can do with that, the big win um, against Maine South um, so I think Nutria could come out with a regional champ and stay alive in the in the uh, IHSA um, team series. Uh, or I think, think it could be GBS. I don't think I know enough about um, what it's going to break down to with the other teams. Um, you know, you know, a team like you know Highland Park say they have two wrestlers uh, who who are going to finish third and kick, you know, ruin GBS's chances or ruin Nutria's chances. That's what can happen in a regional. Those other teams are the wild cards. So. And, and who they bring to the mats. So um, I think it's certainly possible. I think they could they could either Nutria or Loyola could surprise some people and work their way up just depending on how the weight classes fall. Yeah, I think um, it'll be really interesting to see as a team-wise. I think Nutria probably has a better chance because I feel like they have the depth. Um, I think Loyola probably will have the higher finishers, I would say. I think you would agree with me there just with what Maciotioti uh, is able to do um, what, uh, you have, uh, Danny Herbert, the Herbert brothers are able to do, um, Quinn Herbert as well. And Mike Williams, obviously. So I think Loyola will probably have the top, the higher finishers, but as a team and with the depth, um, 
I think New Trier probably has the advantage advantage there. And what we talked about um, in the third quarter there, I think um, when it comes to, you know, individual wrestling, um, I think it's if you're playing in the championship match, you're automatically um, advancing to the sectional and then um, the third place person in the class advances to the sectional as well. So it'll be really interesting to see how many third place and finishers uh, that both Nutria and Loyola will have, um, obviously, because that'll determine how far um, they can go. And I think Loyola and Nutria both have shown just through what their tournaments they've done and everything else that they've um, competed in uh, tournaments and duels, just that they have a lot of high finishers, but those third and fourth place finishers, they also have a lot of those. And that can be really critical on a weekend like Saturday. So we'll see uh, what happens there moving forward, but it should be a lot of fun. And we'll obviously keep you posted on what happens in that matchup there. Let's move on over to gymnastics where, uh, like we mentioned earlier, Nutria will be hosting its regional tonight on Wednesday, maybe if the weather isn't that bad. Um, the area teams are pretty close, so we'll see how that goes. But um, there are four teams, uh, Deerfield, Evanston, GBN, and Nutria competing with an individual from North Shore Country Day competing um, in their regional as well. So um, we talked about it earlier about just how far this team can go with the injuries that they have. But do you still feel like they can be win this regional or do you feel like it might be hard for them as a team to win the regional? I think it might be hard for them as a team to, to win it. Um, but I think they ha still have, um, as we talked about, the, uh, the scoring to advance. Um, but I mean, you know, they, at the conference, they put up 134 and this was a team that was in the high 138s and on the cusp of 140 or shooting for it when they lost Sydney Holder. So that's tough. Um, that's going to be, um, detrimental for sure in the sectional, but I do think that they have what it takes to get there. Um, I do think they could be bested at the top but still have a score to advance the sectional so i think that's what's going to probably happen tonight i could also see them because we have a few days before the sectional and it's going to continue snowing to kick it to tomorrow um but either way this is the last uh uh pod before that so i'll say they will advance to the sectional and and we'll see if we get sydney holder back it's quite the quite the sectional. I mean, you got GBS in there. You got Mundelein, who's always a powerhouse. You got Libertyville as well. I mean, it is not an easy sectional to be competing in. Where um, I feel like it always is Nutria and GBS competing in these tough Mundelein sectionals and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I'd agree with you there. I think there's a good chance for them to move forward wherever that is. But um, it all depends on upon health. I mean, obviously that's the no brainer with any sport and that kind of stuff. What um, whoever you have playing for you is going to make the difference. But um, I think that Nutria could have the talent there. And I think it just depends on um, who's able to compete for them and uh, what they're able to do for them moving forward. All right, yeah. we're going to finish up. Sorry, go ahead. Throwing out another team, uh, another couple teams in this sectional. So GBS has to compete in a regional with Mundelein and Carmel, um, right. noted powerhouses. So they'll have to just, I would guess, score high enough to make the sectional. Um, and then in the Lake Forest region, we got Lake Forest and Vernon Hills. And I'm told Vernon Hills is one of the best teams in the state this year and um, should medal, if not take the title. So we've got like, you know, three or four medalists, you know, uh, state championship quality programs, including Stevenson, um, that we didn't mention yet, coming out of this sectional. So hopefully they make it to the sectional in this year, but there it's going to be very difficult, especially without Sydney Holder, if not impossible. 
Right. And this is when I get on my high horse about sectional assignments and putting teams together. But I also <laughs> understand why you do sectionals, but how do you put so many other top teams in the same I don't know. It's a whole it's a whole IHSA thing. But there's a there's a summer podcast waiting for that uh, rant. But well, I want to finish things off here and talk about signing day. Um, starting today on Wednesday, February 2nd, um, the period opening where you can sign with schools. Um, obviously, you have, I, th- I think it's roughly a month where you can um, sign with schools right now. So for all those who are still waiting or trying to make a decision, um, Loyola had a few uh, signed in the early signing day period. And then um, the, today they were supposed to have uh, John Michael Telangus, an offensive lineman, signed with Fordham. Uh, James McCabe, linebacker, signed with Butler. Danny Collins, a wide receiver, signing with DePaul. And uh, Sam Russian, signing with line, uh, a linebacker, signing with Tufts. Um, obviously, some good defensive talent there and some offensive talent as well, Joe. Um, we've talked about those names during the football season for Loyola. Um, all of them, obviously, are able to uh, um, compete at the next level. And I'm really interested to see about uh, what they're able to do um, at the next level. I know James McCabe had a Butler come in kind of at the last second. So that was a good offer for him. Um, Sam Russian at Tufts should be interesting. Collins at the pond. Uh, Telangus at Fordham should be really interesting as well. But um, who among those guys are kind of interesting to see what they're able to do um, uh, playing college ball? Yeah, I think they're all college football players. So it's nice to see them catch on. I think a lot of those Loyola guys often get um, if, if you can say that at the college level for college recruiting, get overlooked um, because of the program, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very big team uh, effort there at Loyola Academy. So it, it's tough to sometimes weed out, um, you know, rack up the stats and, and rack up the tape when um, the guy next to you also has a hundred tackles. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for rushing. I'm happy for McCabe. Um, fun to watch them play. But I like Danny Collins getting, getting a shot. Um, he really, um, I think he was expected to be the number two guy. Um, he, he was, he got some catches as a junior too. But, uh, you know, coming into the season, I think Roger Simon was the, was going to be the number one, um, a big, big, uh, big threat on the outside. And he got injured and Danny Collins stepped up and caught the ball all over the field. You know, he was a possession receiver. He was first down receiver. Um, they threw it to him on kind of, you know, extended run plays to the sideline. And he, he had some deep balls too. So he also ran back, uh, you know, was effective in the, in special teams. So um, I think that's a lot of hard work paying off for Danny Collins. It's good to see him um, catch on somewhere. And I think, you know, a guy like that who works his tail off and um, just is very surgical in how he goes about his business is going to succeed at every, any level. So I'm excited to see him play at DePaul. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun to see what these guys were able to do at the next level. A lot of good talent uh, moving forward. Uh, talking about 2023, uh, 2023, 2023 talent, uh, Brooks Barr getting a lot of offers recently. Um, saw that he recently got offer from um, Michigan, and I think it was Missouri as well. Um, but he's got a lot of talent, a lot of offers from Illinois Northwestern, um, a lot of big power five programs. And that should be a, a fun recruitment to watch, especially for what Brooks has been able to do on that defensive line for Loyola. Yeah, I just, I just imagine college recruiters looking at him and just, you know, salivating for lack of a better term. I mean, he's, he's got the perfect frame for a, you know, for a, for a DN. I mean, he's six. What is he? Is he six, seven? And six, six, seven. Yeah. And he already looks like, 
uh, a, a grown man. His, his arms are huge. They're long. Uh, he's powerful. Um, I don't think he's tapped into his potential yet. And I think that's why we're seeing um, Michigan and Nebraska come calling and other, these other big schools, you know, Illinois, um, go Illini um, as well. You know, he's, he's an absolute beast. And I think his best days are, are in front of him. Once he gets, I, he's got the frame, he's got the body type, he's got some of the natural ability, but once he gets the technique and stuff down, I think he's going to be a really tough stop. Maybe he'll get that by his senior year next year. Maybe he won't, you know, appear in full till college, but I think it's coming and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to watch for him too. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun and definitely someone we'll be talking about at the early signing day period. Uh, this upcoming December, I'm sure he'll be, uh, uh, he'll have his pick of schools uh, wherever he wants to go um, after he's done a loyal up. But we're done with the podcast. That's everything that we've got for this week's episode. Thanks as always for listening. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you give us a nice little review as well and spread the word while you're at those sporting events. Um, make sure you're following the record North Shore for all your latest sports needs and also North Shore news features and all that fun stuff. Make sure you're following Joe's work there and make sure you follow me at the Friday Night Drive. We've got signing day list for all CCL, ESCC teams. We've got some fun features going on as well as signing days approaching and recruiting notebooks as well as the class of 2023 will take full focus now as a, a lot of kick, a lot of coaches were around in January in the Chicago area. Uh, giving out a lot of offers to a lot of uh, juniors. So um, kind of back to normal when it comes to the recruiting cycle now. So um, that's good to see um, as we'll have a dead period here in February and move on over to March where we'll get a lot of junior days and a lot of visits. But thanks as always for listening to the Varsity Podcast. Make sure you're following us for everything that's going on. For Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a uh, product of the record northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.